in Seattle, Washington. I'm Zach Jabal, and this is a special episode of the Vine Pair Podcast. And today I have the pleasure of being joined once again uh, by Maurizio Morizzi, who is the winemaker for Grupo Mezza Corona uh, in Trentino in northeastern Italy. Maurizio, thank you so much for your time. Oh, thank you for inviting me. Ciao. <laughs> Yeah, it was about a year ago we had you on last, and there we we uh, did a lot of conversations about uh, Mezza Corona, about Pinot Grigio. We're, we're going to cover a little bit of that same ground today, um, but for those of you who haven't listened to that episode and, and do want a little bit more background, uh, please go uh, go take a, a listen to that. I'll make sure that there's a link to it uh, in the uh, show notes here as well, uh, so you can get a little bit more background. But let's let's give a little bit of an overview first about you, Maurizio. How, uh, how did you come to... Uh, Mezzo Corona. What's your what's your background? Uh, yeah, I started with the Mezzo Corona. I'm uh, I'm the winemaker of Mezzo Corona, uh, but I'm not from Trentino. I'm not from North Italy. I'm from Marche region, so center of Italy. And uh, my family was producing wine, but a small quantity of wine for themselves. I'm from okay. I'm from a small farm where uh, you make uh, everything by yourself. You know, you have cows, mm-hmm. pigs, mm-hmm. and uh, vineyards also. Uh, grain and everything. So the part that was more um, uh, seductive for me was the the, the grape part, the, the vinification part. So I wanted to to make wine. So I started studying at college in uh, in Ascoli uh, about vinification, winemaking, and then in Tuscany about university. Okay. And uh, and then I went to Mezzo Corona for my first experience because uh, Mezzo Corona was uh, the the stage. I know the the, the training. A period uh, during the university so i started with them uh, in 2006 so 15 years ago <laughs> wow and yeah very cool i started with them so as a you know the the, the worker the worker in the in the winery and then as a uh, help helping winemaker to the main winemaker and then i went in sicily for the for the feudal rancho the same winery another winery of the group and then i was back in trentino the last five years, I'm in Trentino in charge for uh, Mezzo Corona wines. Fantastic. And for those who are unfamiliar, uh, Mezzo Corona is really interesting because it is um, in Trentino, this cooperative of over a thousand growers, as I recall. And again, we'll, we can we don't want to get too deep into this because there is that other episode that people can listen to. But just if you can explain a little bit about what that's like and, and what the setup is um, in Trentino and, and the growers you work with, um, I think our listeners would really appreciate getting to understand that element of, of the winery. Yeah, it's a, you said well, it's a, it's a cooperative. I mean, we are 1,500 farmers that all together decided to, 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 to create a, a winery, a co-op, more than one year, 100 years ago. The winery has more than 100 years. And uh, each farmer uh, cultivates one hectare, one hectare and a half, so a very small garden of, uh, of vineyard. And they collect all the grape in, uh, in this winery, that is Mezza Corona, uh, Mezzo Corona is uh, uh, the biggest producer of uh, Pinot Grigio. We, we are very expert in Pinot Grigio, but uh, really, as I told you, one hectare and a half, two hectares maximum. So really, every farmer take care at his own vineyards, like a, really like a garden, and they live with that. So the the money that they earn with uh, these vineyards is the money that make uh, them survive. You know, so really they care a lot about this. Uh, in this way, if you come in Trentino, you, you can see by yourself. It's like it's like a um, very very um, particular way to to cultivate the grapes because they really care about that. 
I want to ask too, you know, we, we've mentioned Trentino a couple of times, but I think for some of our listeners, even those who are relatively familiar with Italian wine, their understanding of this part of Italy might be somewhat limited. So where are we and, and what are some of the defining features of the of the landscape and, and of the of the place? Uh, Trentino is the, the northeast uh, Italian region, okay? 80% of the region are mountains. So really, there are many, many valleys uh, with the rivers, uh, uh, azure blue rivers, uh, a lot of lakes, 300 lakes. And in this small valley, there is everything about life and, and about cultivation. So people live there and cultivate uh, grapes, apples, blueberries, red berries in this small part of the, the region. But really, the region is... Um, very wonderful. There is an advertising in Italian television that talk about Trentino and say, you are in Trentino, brief, you know? So just to, mm -hmm. to, to tell you how pure is the, the air here and uh, how beautiful is life here. It's, it's a very natural place, uh, a lot of mountains. There are more than 750 miles of sky slopes, mm. for example. Uh, there were also the, the American team of ski that were training here uh, uh, in winter. Oh, yeah. yeah, we had uh, Bode Miller was was coming here every oh, wow. every year. So um, in this place, uh, it's very nice to to cultivate also grape, but uh, you have to cultivate and care about that in very small parts. That's why just few um, cultivation are made: grapes, apples, and something else. You know, so. Um, but that's it. Perennial graziers. So really, uh, it's a paradise for uh, active holidays. It's a paradise to live. It's a paradise to, to cultivate uh, uh, clean and healthy food. Wonderful. And I'm curious, since we are largely talking about Pinot Grigio, what is it about Pinot Grigio that makes it such a natural fit for these vineyards, that, that it is such a big part of production in Trentino and obviously for Mezzacorona? Yeah, Pinot Grigio is cultivated uh, worldwide, everywhere, and in Italy, sure. in, in many places. But uh, uh, I think the, one of the first places where were cultivated in Italy was Trentino in the uh, 50s, 60s. And um, the agronomists here were, uh, uh, were adopting this grape because look at it to be well productive and making very good wines, you know. So they started mm -hmm. with a few hectares, and now we have many hectares of Pinot Grigio, but... There is something special about Trentino Pinot Grigio because uh, the yield per hectare is, is not so big. It's quite low. Okay. okay? And um, the DOC, the appellation, is different from the rest of Italy. The rest of the appellation is Trentino. That is a very small appellation, Trentino DOC. And uh, uh, the, um, you say, with one kilo of grape, you cannot make uh, more than 0 0.7 liters of wine. So the, 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 um, the wine that you obtain from the grape... Uh, that means you, you, you cannot squeeze out the grape. That's it. And of course, the, the terroir is very, is very particular because we have a very particular soil that are alluvional soil made mm -hmm. by the river and very particular um, climate because there is a big excursion of temperature be between the day and the night. Mm -hmm. You have to imagine that uh, the coldest place in Italy in winter is Trentino. The warmest place in summer in Italy is Bolzano, that is in uh, Trentino too, Trentino Alto Adige. <laughs> <laughs> so really, you have a big excursion, and uh, this uh, um, permits to the grape to accumulate a lot of aroma. And that's why we don't have to work a lot in the, in the, in the winery with the Pinot Grigio, because the grape is already is very, very rich. 
it's very, very powerful. We just need to press a bit, ferment it, and the wine is done, and you have fantastic wine there. And I, I think you mentioned something that's important and, and will be important as we talk about a couple of the wines um, in the portfolio in a moment, but that the retention of aromatics is something that I think is really interesting when we talk about Pinot Grigio, that because I think sometimes, um, you know, I'll, I'll just say that some of the more uh, uninteresting expressions of Pinot Grigio that you can find, whether from Italy or elsewhere, tend to really kind of they don't capture any of the aromatics, yet Pinot Grigio is an aromatic variety, right? Yeah, it's not really aromatic like a Moscato or, uh, I don't sure. know, a mid variety like a Viognier or something like that. Like but a Verstramino or something. Verstramino, yeah. yeah. But if you cultivate it in the right place, it's able to accumulate a lot of aroma. And, uh, of course, it's not the aroma of, uh, of uh, uh, yellow flowers, of peach, but in, uh, in Trentino you accumulate aroma of chamomile, of white mm-hmm. flowers. So very delicate, but can be very intense if cultivated in the right place, you know? Mm-hmm. With the cold temperature we have, especially during the night, harvesting in the morning, we, we bring in the winery very fresh grape. So we, we don't need to chill down the temperature. We just need to, to preserve this aroma that is already are preserved from the natural climate that is in Trentino. And, yeah. You know, this excursion of temperature, the, the, the temperature shift, uh, changing between the day and the night is very important to accumulate aroma in white grapes, and it's common. It's every in Italy, many people knows that uh, the best white wines comes from uh, northeast. You know because mm-hmm. because of the climate, essentially. Yeah. And allowing that that temperature shift uh, from day to night probably allows you guys to, as you sort of, I think we're saying, get both a degree of ripeness into the wine uh, and into the grapes, but also uh, maintain freshness and acidity, which is so critical for all wines, but especially for white wines. It's very important. That another thing is very important that is that uh, uh, you you can harvest in the perfect right time. You know, if you have one mm-hmm. hectare and you, you know very well the ter- territory where you are, the agronomist can say to the farmer, okay, today is your time. Go please to, yeah. to harvest. And they go. <laughs> the farmer with his family goes there in three, four hours, harvest everything and bring to the winery. So we don't mm. have to wait uh, uh, the day when uh, the people are uh, ready to harvest. We can harvest really in the right time. Gotcha. And that is very important for the maturation of the skin, for the maturation of the seeds, for the maturation of the, the, the aroma of the grape. Speaking of aroma, so one of the things that's really interesting to me about some of what you um, have uh, introduced into the market relatively recently is you're now making a rosé. And and I was really intrigued by this wine for a few different reasons. And so I would love to hear a little bit about kind of how it came to be. But but the first question I want to ask is, you know, I would imagine that some of our listeners who, who have, you know, had plenty of Pinot Grigio in their lives are perhaps baffled at the notion that what to them is always a white wine is capable of producing a rosé. They would think, well, don't you need a red red grape for that? So so maybe you can explain first and foremost how how this is even possible. Yeah, we are talking about Pinot Grigio. Grigio, green, is grape, you know, it's called it like that because the grape is not white. It's a, a kind of middle way between red and blue. Okay, it's Grigio. And of course, the color of the, 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 the grape is on the skin. Okay, so you could make a red Pinot Grigio, but not really red. You can make orange Pinot Grigio or white Pinot Grigio or rosé Pinot Grigio, just depending uh, of how much color you want to extract from, this, from the skin. So mm-hmm. if we collect the grape in the winery, we press immediately and we take just the free run juice, we have white juice. 
But if we take these grapes and we maintain uh, in the press for a few hours, just in contact with the juice with the skin, we extract from the, the skin the color, a touch of color, and then the juice will be pink, okay? Mm -hmm. But it's not only the, the color that we extract, because in the, in the skin there are also the aroma, yep. you know? And of course, we will have different aroma from the free-run juice white or pink juice that we extract from the, from the skin. So really, the, the Pinot Grigio Rosé or the white Pinot Grigio has two different phases of Pinot Grigio, but they are different. And I was really struck in tasting the the rosé um, last night when I was kind of preparing for this at how, as you said, how different the aromas are. And you get so much more of this kind of uh, maybe maybe unsurprisingly to me, but maybe to a lot of people listening, a lot of really kind of like um, like red berry fruit, uh, cranberry and raspberry on the nose and as well as a lot of kind of like riper citrus uh, grapefruit and. Uh, maybe a little bit of even like uh, blood orange or something like that. Is that kind of square with your experience with uh, wine? Yeah, exactly like that. You, you, you. The first impact you have in the nose are the red fruit. That is yeah. strange because you think about Pinot Grigio, it's white flowers. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But the red fruit comes to your nose, and then yes, uh, pink grapefruit, and that was of course the citrus sensation. Of course, the a touch of white flowers you feel always on the back of the nose. That's that's sure, but the. Floral notes are there, but the red fruit is the first impact. And, and also looking at the wine, you have a pink wine on the, on the, on the glass. So you imagine something totally different from the, the, the classic Pinot Grigio, you know. And also in the mouth, you feel something different because this pink bring with this also taste sensation. The wine is a bit more big, a bit more large, a bit more mm -hmm. deep. You know, but always maintaining the acidity of Pinot Grigio, the freshness of Pinot Grigio. Pinot Grigio, uh, we used to say that as a, a, an acidità amica, a friendly acidity. You know, because oh. always uh, you have this acidity that is not sharp; it's it's friendly. You know, in your mouth sure. and uh, with Belisa, with this this wine, with the Pinot Grigio Rosé, you have uh, a bit more sensation, bigger when you put in the nose, a middle palate bigger, but then always the the fresh, uh, crispy, uh, friendly acidity of Pinot Grigio. And Maurizio, I know I could just go to Google Translate and put Delisa in, in the text box, but what does that mean and, and where does the name come from? Delisa, Delizia, Delight. Uh, so uh, when we were uh, producing this wine, we had to, to find the name and we, we, we were thinking about uh, Trentino immediately. Mm -hmm. And we were imagining, uh, we were imagining and interpreting the region of Trentino like the, the Garden of Delight, you know? Looking there with us, so we had to find a name that was similar to the light that has to recall this uh, this sensation. So uh, this this one is born in a mountain garden, a garden of the light. So we decided to to make this to put this name, the Lisa, so as to sound elegant and um, and and nice like the one is. And I know that uh, you know this is me indulging my inner kind of wine geek side. So I, I have a couple of other questions about this wine. One of them is, are you, is the harvest date later for these grapes because you're looking for more color in the grapes or is this getting picked at the same time as uh, the Pinot Grigio for the, for the white wine? No, it's, it's more or less the same, uh, the same, uh, the same time. But what we do usually, we don't produce just from one vineyard. You know, we have different farmers yeah. in different areas of Trentino, a bit higher in the hill, a bit lower on the valley. So we produce different 
Pinot Grigio Rosé, okay? And then we okay. go to, to blend to create the perfect and equilibrated wine. But usually, mm. from the, the average way, it's just the same time or two, three days later, I can say, but more or less the same, uh, the same time. Because, okay, what is important in a wine, it's the color, yes, but the mouth sensation is, has to be uh, perfect, you know? So the acidity equilibrium has to be there. And the, the most important thing is the, the mouth that uh, the grape can bring to the wine. And are you looking for anything different in the grapes as you're as they're coming into the winery? For are you are you making the decision kind of right away? I think this bun this this lot is good going to be what we want to make uh, into rosé. And, and if so, what how do you make that determination? Uh, we de- we decide uh, before we decide which vineyards has to produce. Ah, uh, okay, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because of course. Uh, uh, we have a different uh, system of um, uh, vineyards uh, cultivation in Trentino that is pergola. It's not the classic uh, uh, I see. espalier, you know. It's pergola. Yeah. It's like a roof um, mm-hmm. where we cultivate this grape, and the bunches uh, uh, are down of the leaves, are not in the middle of the leaves. So you yeah. can easily see which are the maturation of the grape, and the, the grape has a different disposition depending on which side of the hill they are cultivated so we go to choose the right vineyards that are well exposed to the sun also because okay the grape has to ripe of course like in classic pinot grigio but the effect of the sun on the skin is very important i Uh, see okay so the the acidity has to be the same the sugar has to be the same but the color of the skin has has to be a a touch different because the sun has to work on it I have heard it said, uh, though I have never experienced it myself, that uh, the the best nap you can take is under a pergola, uh, under pergola vines. Uh, <laughs> That's true. <laughs> That's, yeah. true. That's true. One thing you definitely can't do with espalier. Not not a lot of shade. Uh, we we don't use espalier because in Trentino the classic system is uh, is the pergola because um, the the soil is very rich. You know, alluvial yeah. soil is very rich, so the the plant has to grow more, has to express more. They, they, they're powerful. If we put in a, in a small espalier, we have a lot of leaves and the plants doesn't think about the grape, doesn't think about ah. the, the reproduction, think about the vegetation. In, yeah. in a pergola, the plant can grow more, can express more, and also after it expresses too much um, power, then it think about also the reproduction, so think about the grapes. That's why gotcha. in Trentino, for many years, we... We started with the, um, uh, the classical way to, to cultivate is uh, the espalier. And then let's talk about the, the back to the delites a little bit, as a, as a wine to enjoy with some different uh, kinds of food. So I, I think that um, I would love to hear from you, Maurizio, what some of your favorite pairings are. And then I have a few thoughts as well that I want your opinion on. So what are, what are some of your favorite pairings for this wine? My favorite uh, pairings. Hey, I, 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 I like to pair with uh, everyday food. I mean, <laughs> not with sure. refine, refined uh, food or something. I like, for example, pasta Alfredo or an hamburger, a veggie burger. It's, it's something that is very easy to prepare. And also it's very easy to pair because with the freshness of the, 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 the Liza, can pair exactly, can contrast the oily sensation of this uh, of this kind of dishes or fried calamari, for example, a baked fa- salmon. So mm-hmm. All the food that has some oily and fatty, small fatty sensation can be really well paired with uh, this wine. Okay. Yeah. Oh. 
I was thinking along those lines and, and thinking about how like kind of one of the foods that I classically associate with Northeastern Italy would be, you know, all kinds of cured meats and things like that. And then I was thinking, well, one of my favorite things is just a really nice like grilled like kielbasa or bratwurst or something like that. And and kind of thinking about how lovely the um, sort of floral notes of uh, and the expressive aromatics of uh, the delights that would be with that kind of, as you said, sort of fatty, meaty, but not overly meaty and, and not certainly not fussy uh, kind of meal. Does that sound like something you'd enjoy? Yes, that's true. But also with, the, I don't know, uh, some, I talk about Italy, so some Mediterranean fishes, for sure. example, you know, uh, baked or made with salt. Because another particular thing of the, this wine is the salinity, the minerality that the wine has in it. So when you have a, a dish with salt, you need the wine with a touch of salt too. So it's, with fish, it's very, uh, very good pairing too. That I like. I, like. I eat a lot of uh, almost every day. So uh, I like to, to, to pair with Delisa too, yeah. Absolutely. And then I have one kind of last question for you, kind of coming back almost to where we started this conversation and and sort of orienting ourselves in Trentino and understanding where this wine comes from. I know you mentioned um, the mountains and you mentioned the sort of outdoor um, outdoor lifestyle and things like that. But for people who might be thinking about, um, you know, a visit to the region, what are a couple of the things that they should, besides, of course, the wine and um, the food, what are some other things they should not miss? Yeah, Trentino is a paradise for tourists in summer and in winter. In winter, about ski, I told you a lot of miles of ski slopes uh, and a lot of mountains, and that's it. But also in summer, you can enjoy it, you know, for active holidays, canyoning, climbing, uh, water sports. So, uh, you, of course, you have to go in the, in the mountains, like Madonna di Campiglio. It's a great place. But also, the cities, the culture, something very... Very, very nice to see. Trento City, it's, a, it's like a, it's a wonderful place to, to visit because it's a very historical. Uh, was a city built from a, um, the church, <laughs> the church mm -hmm. system. So it was a very rich and beautiful place to visit. So you can see the cultural part in the cities and you can make a good, a very, a lot of sports in the mountains and, uh, and in the rivers and in the lakes we have. We have also the biggest lake in Italy that is Garda Lake that is just mm -hmm. here. You can surf, you can make a lot of sports there. Wonderful. Well, Maurizio, as always, a real pleasure to talk to you um, uh, and a pleasure to, to taste and enjoy the wines. Um, and maybe one of these years we'll get to do this podcast in person in, in Trentino. Yeah, I hope I to. Promise. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Thank you again so much. Thank you. Thank you really for inviting me. Thanks so much for listening to the Vine Pair Podcast. If you love this show as much as we love making it, then please leave us a rating or review on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever it is you get your podcasts. It really helps everyone else discover the show. Now for the credits. Vine Pair is produced and recorded in New York City and Seattle, Washington by myself and Zach Jabal, who does all the editing and loves to get the credit. Also, I would love to give a special shout out to my VinePair co-founder, Josh Mallon, for helping me make all this possible. And also to Keith Beavers, VinePair Tastings Director, who is additionally a producer on this show. I also want to, of course, thank every other member of the VinePair team who are instrumental in all of the ideas that go into making this show every week. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you again.